Hello, and welcome to What a Picture, a movie podcast where we go through the sight and sound greatest films of all time, critics poll week by week, and discuss what makes a great film great. I am Hannah. I'm Brian. Brian is not French. I am not French, but this movie is French. Yeah. Yeah. French, uh, both in language and in country of origin. And in story. Yeah. 100% French. 100% French, though it does seem to take place on a, like, French isle off the coast of France. I think it's an island. Yeah, I didn't know that they had, like, little islands like that, but it it does seem to be an island because they're rowing at the beginning to get there, remember? Yeah. I didn't know much about French geography. Surely there's little islands. Yeah, I mean, they've got a coast there. They do. And you've got the the channel channel to uh uh london under channel yeah the channel you don't know about that you're not up on the channel it's like a tunnel and yes. channel so like yes. channel channel okay so I, it's I've a never... tunnel that goes under the yeah. english channel it's like it's it like connects a... like i think it connects paris and london or at least france and england yeah and they have one of those manhattan they have one of those between detroit and canada i just never heard that phraseology Channel. Channel. Anyway, Brian, what movie are we talking about today? We are talking about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is an excellent movie. The so good. most recent, probably, movie. Depends when, when you say release date. U.S. release date, this is the most recent movie. Okay. Um, Parasite been- was the same year, but uh, this uh, was not available, to my knowledge, uh, until like the year after its release in the U.S. Gotcha. is when it it went on streaming at least, and was yeah. not available theatrically where where we were living at the time. I don't even think we looked for it. Anyway, so yeah, this is out in 2019. Who was the director, Brian? Celine Shiama. Shiama. Yes, this is her fourth feature film. Okay. She has since made a fifth feature film, uh, which is also very good, called Petite Maman. But this is her fourth and best-known one, I would say, uh, by far. Petite Maman also made the top 250 and mm-hmm. is the most recent movie on that list. It's pretty impressive. I mean, yeah, 2022 is when this list came out, and she had two movies since 2019 that are on it. I know. That is impressive. Is she, How old is she? Um... I want to say she's probably in her 40s. Her first feature film was in 2007. Okay. Um, but she is pretty pretty young to my knowledge. But I do not uh, have her age in front of me at the moment. Yeah. Well, still very impressive. We're, we're big fans of Celine Shiyama. Yes. It doesn't sound French. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, Celine does. Celine but... does, but Shiyama. Shiyama. Mm. I don't know. I don't speak any French outside of ballet terms, so y'all will have to forgive me. I hey. did about five days on a language learning app, and that's the same sentiment French, plus watching lots of French movies. There you go. Yeah, I I know like random cheeses and wines and ballet terms, mm. so I feel like I you could drop me in the middle of France and I'd be yeah dead within the hour. <laughs> I mean, most places they speak enough English that you can get by. Yeah, I just want to start calling things freedom fries and stuff mm. like that. And anyway, mm. Brian, would you like to give us a summary? I would love to. 
<laughs> so it is the late 1700s and Marianne is commissioned to paint a portrait of Heloise, a wealthy French woman who is betrothed to a Milanese nobleman against her will. She had previously refused to pose for the portrait, so Marianne has been commissioned by her mother to pose as a companion for her daily walks and paint her in secret. Once Marianne has finished the portrait, she reveals her true purpose to Heloise, who wonders aloud if the portrait has captured her true nature. Distraught, Marianne then destroys the portrait, but before Heloise's mother, the Countess, can fire Marianne, Heloise then offers to pose for a new portrait, surprisingly. Heloise and Marianne begin a romantic and sexual relationship, and Marianne finishes the portrait when Heloise's mother returns from a five-day offshore excursion. Heloise decides to go through with the marriage and parts ways with Marianne. Years later, Marianne sees Heloise weeping at a concert of Vivaldi's Four Seasons, which Marianne had once played for her on harpsichord. And that's that's essentially the plot of this movie. Not super plot-heavy, but it's, it's, it's very good. Um, very, very good. I love this movie a lot. Yeah, this was... I have no notes that are not positive. Yeah things to say <laughs> one of my favorites of of the past five years for sure mm-hmm. i caught this uh when it first came to streaming back a couple of years ago um and would have had you watch it with me hannah but you uh i didn't like to read yeah you much. didn't like to read <laughs> subtitles much so i was sort of staying away from making you watch foreign movies at the time plus i didn't know how good it would be yeah and i heard it was great but right yeah. and when you learned this was on the list you got so excited for me to watch it yeah like, oh it's gonna be great and i am thankful that you didn't make me watch it back then and you did encourage me to watch it now so yeah. bravo Absolutely. um yeah what were your initial thoughts of this movie both the first time and this more present or current time yeah i loved it the first time um particularly the ending which i still love Mm -hmm. and we'll uh we'll talk about more for sure um i also thought just the visuals of this movie were pretty astounding Mm -hmm. um and those i think were the same things that uh stood out to me this time i think the nuances of the character development the second time through was like okay yeah i really get um the motivations particularly like when it turns in the middle of the movie with marianne destroying the painting i thought that sequence was just really really expertly done um and of course we'll uh we'll talk about that more but um, yeah, those were my initial thoughts. What what stood out to you? Uh, yeah, well, point? not to make everything about feminism and the patriarchy, but everything <laughs> is about feminism and the patriarchy. And I thought that this um, was really—I mean, it gave you between Marianne, Heloise, and the um, the countess or the, the servant. The, the servant. Yeah. What was her name? Um, her name was Sophie. Sophie, thank you. Between the three of them, and I guess the Countess a little bit, so the four of them, each had very um, limited movement, or, or very 
very narrow lanes in that yeah. they had to follow to live out their lives. So you've got Heloise who is born of the upper class, um, but has no money anymore. And the only way for her family survival is for her to be married off. She actually was, we learned at the beginning of the movie, she was the second daughter of the Countess and she was living in a, um, in a nunnery or a convent. So her older sister was betrothed to the Milanese nobleman, but he, um, she committed suicide. She, we learned that she died and that it's very, very probable that she committed suicide. And so Heloise thought for so long that she had very little obligation to the family um, and particularly their stability and upward mobility and was really seemed very content to live a life in the, in the convent. Um, And I just think that, you know, you kind of see her independence be stripped away, even if someone like Marianne or Sophie is like, you're going to live comfortable for all your life. You know, like you're going to be, it it feels it almost feels frivolous to be like why are you upset about this but at the same time Heloise has no choices in her life yeah. and then you go to Marianne who um is a painter and a very talented painter works for her father but um is very limited in what she is allowed to paint yeah. you kind of see it later in the movie she is at a showing and has painted um a scene from a Greek tragedy and um, which we can talk through when we, why that's significant, but mm-hmm. um, she had to submit it either. It was either under her father's name or a fake man's name because it can't be by a woman. It can't be mm-hmm. sold or displayed by a woman. Um, and then you've got Sophie who um, finds herself pregnant and has to go to a more or less a witch doctor for um mm-hmm for help with an abortion so i don't know i think just every every one of these women's stories were so they had they grew such empathy with each other because i think they all realized that um they were so confined by their own circumstances and that brought even though their circumstances were also different from each other Mm -hmm. what united them was um the ways in which women are oppressed yeah (laughs) uh at, at, at all levels of class and it's so smart that the movie is has this theme of how uh, women have been oppressed by men. And yet there are really no men at all in this movie. You get maybe, you know, two, three lines of dialogue from men. Yeah. Um, the large bulk of the movie takes place on this island, you know, with the four women characters. And you, it sort of reminded me of A Man Escaped, how the guards are very not prominent in The Man Escape, even though they're dominant and in control. It's about the people who are subjugated. And it's not, it's not about, it's about these women, not necessarily about it's not about the men it's about these women and how they've been oppressed yeah, this and giving you their perspective test. yeah because yes. even when they're talking about her marriage it's not about love it's about entrapment it's you know so yeah. i think i think this without being in a aggressively feminist mm-hmm. piece um, just really creates such sympathy and such heartbreak over the situation and 
kind of the freedoms that you are able to find for yourself within your oppression mm-hmm. um, or subjugation, as you said, probably is a better, better word to use. But um, so, you know, once Marianne and Heloise kind of ignite their love affair, um, the freedom that comes in that, because it's something that they can control. And it's, yeah. I mean, I do believe the love is genuine. It's not just circumstantial, circumstantial or you're the only person in front of me so I must sleep with you I, I thought it was really genuine um and just really beautiful particularly for Heloise who within a very short period of time has had her entire life be taken from her yeah. and for her to be able to work through her grief and really her anger she's got a lot of anger going yeah. on yeah um and and fall in love in the midst of it I think is really beautiful yeah so we could talk about her anger briefly because I had that uh, on the outline and I thought it was interesting that she's just like angry throughout this whole movie and just really like, I don't know, you know, usually in a love story, you don't get that, you know, you get people, you know, being sweet and demure and she's just not, not having it, not yes. having any of it. And it's, love it. Yeah, it's really well done how she is still quite sympathetic, mm-hmm. uh, despite that, and likable. Um, because it's it, it's it's rightful anger, right. righteous anger. It really is. I mean, um, it's, yeah. You find yourself like, oh, the first scene where you see her, okay, can we talk about the way that shot? Mm-hmm. So again, Brian mentioned, Marianne is is hired to paint but kind of under the guise that she's just a walking companion for Heloise um and you know she's trying to like Marianne's trying to observe Heloise without Heloise knowing and so you kind of see this kind of back and forth between Heloise like looking you know interested and 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 Mm -hmm. contemplative and all that um and you know, you see Heloise walking, you're directly behind her. You're on her six. She's walking. She's got this cloak on. The cloak mm-hmm. falls. You see this beautiful blonde hair kind of pinned mm-hmm. up in, 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 a, in a simple fashion. And then she turns. And she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's got this yeah. gorgeous pale skin, these big, beautiful eyes. Like, she's she's so beautiful. And just that shot um, felt so, like... Like I was like, turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around. It made me so excited to see her. It was wonderful. Especially how they've built up that um, she didn't allow the other painter to see her face, mm-hmm. right? And so, and she's been, you know, talked about for the first 20 minutes or so of the movie, but hasn't been seen yet. So they really do build it mm-hmm. well. It was yeah. so wonderful. And it was, the payoff was worth it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Also, throughout this movie she wears the greenest dress i've ever seen in my life it's gorgeous it's a gorgeous it, it looks dress. like an emerald like the entire dress is mm-hmm. a gemstone and then uh marianne has that sort of red dress mm-hmm. that contrasts nicely i love some jewel tone queens you yes know? and the colors in this movie are just you know you get um similar to barry linden which is our next movie you get these incredible vistas and that struck me the first time but this second time watching through it also struck me how much contrast there is there's also Mm -hmm. a bunch of dimly lit candle lit inside scenes that are not very bright Mm 
And so that makes those bright and vibrant scenes stick out all the more when they go outside and it's a beautiful, beautiful island. What um, was really interesting about that was it was very bright, but it wasn't like very colorful. Because you're not in like a tropical location where you're going to have like toucans and flowers and crap, but you're not in the British Moors where it's like mm -hmm. overcast and icky. But even in like Marianne's room, which is where she, you know, room slash studio, you know, they don't have electricity. So it's all big windows and like, like soft white light, but it's still quite bright. Um, or they'll go out on their walks and it's like sand. Yeah. I don't know, it's really hard to do. It was like the greenest grass you've ever seen in this movie as well. And the water is so blue yeah. as well. So I feel like the, the colors really stand out to me. I uh, agree. It, it, and it almost felt like it got brighter as it went along. Like the first walk was kind of mm -hmm. subdued. Yeah, yeah. And especially the first scene where she's coming over in a rainstorm and has fallen in, it has to jump into the water after her uh, her canvases that fell in. Yeah, yeah. Um, our girl loves a charcuterie plate. This, uh, this yeah. is what, yeah, got, it's so smart, you know, if you want to get on the Loomis's side. That's our last name, by the way. I don't know yes. if you've ever shared that. Oh, podcast. I don't think so. Yeah, I guess that's okay. Yeah. Um, so if you want to get on the Loomis's side, then, you know, show your main character eating, uh, big hunk of cheese, big hunk of bread, and then servant comes in and she asks for a big glass of wine. <laughs> you want to get more, if you want to get yeah. more on our side, bring us a big hunk of yeah. cheese, a big hunk of bread, and some wine. Share it with us. Don't, yeah, don't keep it to yourself. No, I know. I, I saw a tweet and it was something like, you know, the peasant would eat like bread and cheese, and I'm like, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I would have that for every meal. Yeah, and mm -hmm. so. We need to talk about painting for a second. And I thought I would share with you all my love of Bob Ross. I wonder if people would think that about you. Like if having met you, they'd be like, yeah, Brian seems like a Bob Ross guy. I don't know. I grew up watching Bob Ross. And still, you know, throughout college and to this day, sometimes I will watch Bob Ross while I fall asleep. Yeah, everyone's got their Very thing. relaxing. Um, the painting landscapes, the little bit of phthalo blue, a little bit of uh, alizarin crimson. A little bit uh, of happy little... Brush. Happy little trees? Trees. Yeah, happy little trees. Happy little clouds, too. Clouds, The yeah. clouds are happy. None of which appear in this movie, but Brian just needs to share. But yeah, the painting, I feel like painting is a little bit of a cheat code in a movie, because... In terms of, like, character development, because this movie and other movies I've seen, uh, I watched uh, Le Belle Noisus, um, which is another French movie about painting, and it did a similar thing where, like, painting is an exercise in trying to capture someone's essence. Mm. And so in terms of, like, doing character development, having one character paint another character just is a really profound way to explore that character that's being painted okay. uh, because there's something about like trying to capture them not just how they look externally but trying to almost capture their soul and their essence as a person mm -hmm. um 
And ultimately, that's why this midpoint scene really works for me, where essentially uh, you got Heloise seeing the picture that Marianne has painted and basically questioning, like, do you feel like you did a good enough job at this? And it's not that she's really upset with how she's been portrayed or or she uh basically Marianne is is like you know are you are you upset do you feel like it doesn't capture you and then she says are you <laughs> like do you feel like you did a good job in capturing me which is like the most frustrating critique see yeah. I think okay so this whole time Halloween doesn't know that Marianne's working mm-hmm. um and probably in the last you know couple of days of Marianne's first attempt she and Heloise are becoming friends yep. and so I really saw this scene as Heloise being like are you really here? Like, I understand this is why you're here, but does the friendship we've created over the past couple of days mean nothing to you? And I really see that parallel with like, um, is this good enough? Do you really get me? Or were you just getting the paycheck and running? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really Heloise's almost like invitation to Marianne of like, if you're going to be my friend, if you do love me, mm-hmm. yeah, stay. Um, and I thought just the way that that paralleled was so beautiful. So I don't think it's about like, do you think it's a good enough thing? I think it's more of like abating her of like, what do you want from me? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, uh, uh, Marianne's decision to destroy the painting. The way it struck me this time walking through was very much a like, I haven't gotten it yet, but not like a, I'm frustrated as a painter that I didn't do the best job painting I could, but a, I haven't captured the essence of this person that I'm really interested in yet. And that's why she destroys the painting because she's like, I need her painting for her is trying to capture the essence of Heloise and she realizes she's not there yet. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not a painter. I think she destroyed it because she knew that Heloise didn't like it. And she knew that it was created under false pretenses. And she felt icky for the manipulation that she did in lying to Heloise. Hmm. Yeah. It's a little both. It's it's a little... Yeah, you can can read it multiple ways. For sure. Um, But that's... I like my reading best. Uh, I, I like. Well, I, yeah, I, like, I like my reading best because I like what it does for her character best. So that's how I'm gonna read. That's fine. Yeah. Um. So I think it is Marianne that says at some point it takes two to be funny. I wanted to ask you: Do you think that's true? Sometimes. I think things are very funny that no one else in the world could think is funny. And no one those things are just for me. World. No one in the entire world, just me. Yeah, I mean, I chuckle at myself. I'm very humorous. Um, I think it's more enjoyable when, like, you're funny in a group, but... Yeah, humor is is more... It's more fun when humor is shared, yeah. I would say. Usually. But... I can usually sometimes... get like one of our kids to gas me up. If I like mm-hmm. think something's funny, I'll just like deliver it again to them in a funny voice and then they'll laugh. Oh, there you go. So I, I you know, just manipulate our children. Possibly. Yeah, but you see, some of my Twitter posts are just for me. Like it's so irrelevant that others world. will be seeing them. Yeah. Yeah, because 
because I think they're funny and that's what matters. Well, if I were on Twitter, I would think they're funny too, babe. Well, thanks. Probably not all of them, but... We had a discussion before we started this movie about the different ways that you could read the title. Yeah, yeah. Is the portrait on fire? Is the lady on fire? Is the portrait of the lady on fire? exactly. So is it a portrait of a lady on fire? Or is it a portrait of a lady that is on fire? It's kind of like um, the band in the early aughts that sang that that 1985 Mm -hmm. song. They were called Bowling for Soup. Is it like you're bowling to receive soup? Or um, you're bowling, like, on behalf of soup. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ambiguous. Ambiguous. And you even get that ambiguity built into the movie. It's probably that the lady is on fire because, you know, you've got that, that scene with uh, Helen on, yeah, on fire. And then the there's a portrait of that that's shown at the very beginning of the movie, actually. Yeah. Um, but you also do get a portrait on fire at one point in this movie. The uh, the previous um, painter, painter, yeah, um, Marianne sets that portrait on fire at some point. Which I feel so, like it's kind of a snarky move. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there were her reasons, but it's kind of like it didn't have a face, so not not the best painting to I have existed. Draw like Garfield <laughs> the cat on it or something. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be yeah. good. Or she could, you know. She didn't need to paint the dress. She could have just started with the other, you know, artist's work. That feels like plagiarism. I mean, but this is a portrait for a very specific purpose. So maybe it could be like the work could be shared. Oh, I guess he didn't share what the purpose is. So like, this is pre-photography. So the Milanese suitor has never seen Heloise. And the, the portrait is basically to be like hey you think she's hot enough to marry here's a like old school tinder <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think the kids are on tinder these days oh, where are they where are they i, on think, I think most of the people who are like actually looking for something are on hinge hinge oh okay yeah. what about bumble i think bumble, bumble too yeah okay. uh really, tinder tinder is more for the hookup culture which no shame just okay you know. So, what app would Marianne and Heloise be on? Uh, I think that Heloise has no interest in. I don't like this question. Okay. <laughs> well, I just don't know that much about dating apps. I only know this. from what my sure. single friends tell me, so I feel like I'm I'm not on them anymore. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> okay, I need you to get on some dating apps and tell me what they're like. <laughs> I'm scared. Can you do it? <laughs> I don't get penises flying at me. Oh, penis is flying. Ugh, it's terrifying. It is. What is the card game that they are playing they, in this game? They're playing like, um, what's the game? You always call it the Egyptian rat screw or... Um, yeah, it uh, does seem to involve some sort of like slapping. Yeah, like table. it's like kind of like a combination of... It's a speed-based game. It's a speed-based yeah. game. It's like war. So mm-hmm. you put the three cards up and the highest takes all of them. And then when there's, like, uh, two of the same, you have to slap. Or if there's a sandwich, like, mm. Jack 2, Jack oh, three, yeah. you gotta slap. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is Egyptian rat screw. Okay, that game is yeah. so fun. I love a speed-based game. But did France have the... Uh, had this game been imported to France from Egypt? I imagine it's not... <laughs> from Egypt, <laughs> Probably a less um, <laughs> potentially racist uh, 
name that we should probably call it instead. What did we call yeah. it in high school and called it something else? I don't know. I only know it as a Egyptian rat screw. There also is a game I used to play growing up. Oh, we should get the kids to play this one. It's kind of like a Egyptian rat screw, but it's called Slam Witch. <laughs> and you have these cards and it's like each card is on a kind of looks like a loaf of bread shape. And it's like bacon, tomatoes, peanut oh. butter, jelly, all that. And so when you have two in a row of that or a mm. sandwich and you go Slam Witch, mm. it's real fun. Yeah. Do you get to actually make and eat the sandwiches? Or can you use actual sandwich ingredients instead of carbs to play this game? I think you know that the answer to both be, of those is no. I think it would be more fun if you were using like actual pieces of bread and tomatoes and squirt some mustard on there, you know? You clearly are not the person who cleans our house. <laughs> but the kids would have so much fun. I'm sure they would. And then I would have to clean it all up. We're not playing that anyway. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the way that the relationship between Marianne and Eloise builds throughout this movie. Because um, I feel like we've seen in old Hollywood, you know, you talk about the red shoes, talk about Casablanca. There's the old Hollywood trope of like, they're just suddenly in love. And that works because it's a movie. But I don't this is this is doing something different. Uh, this feels truer to life, how you actually fall in love with someone. And I think it's really expertly done. The way that they start out somewhat at odds or as strangers, but then grow quite close and you see their relationship sure. build. Enemies it... to lovers is, the, is tried mm-hmm. and true. Yeah, yeah. Love it. And I also love that there's a moment here where it's like there's the they don't sleep together when they hit the uh the point of no return. It's a just like a charged moment while Marianne is painting Heloise. They have a a, a moment where it's like, okay, now they both know and they both know that the other one knows yeah and that is i think really profound for a relationship like this which would certainly be forbidden at the time yeah i think too like i don't know particularly for marianne but for heloise and just women in general like sex and sexuality are not discussed i mean obviously like you know don't have sex that's one but like a lot of women would go into marriage having no idea mm-hmm. other than just like your husband's gonna want something and you might have to give it to him and just do it you know like there yeah. there was yeah. so much there and maybe maybe marianne being you know a city girl knows more but um i think that there is just like a lot i mean the girls have they obviously have confusing feelings they have intriguing feelings they go from there's just so much that is unfamiliar, both experientially and like from what they know about the world um, and their experiences with each other. And that just creates this like very sweet, sweet experience. I don't know. I really, mm-hmm. I thought they did 
a really good job in this movie to not make it um sultry to not make it you know like forbidden and bad and all these things it very much felt like two friends or two enemies to friends to lovers in this just like very gradual and innocent progression and I thought it was really well done I think um one of the sweetest lines was um so Marianne and Heloise kiss and then Heloise runs off they're like out on one of their walks and they just kind of have this moment where they know like oh we're gonna kiss and they kiss and then Heloise runs off and then Marianne has dinner with Sophie waiting for Heloise and uh, Sophie's like no she's sick she's not coming down and then Marianne goes back up to her room and who's there and that's when they um you know they they continue with with the kissing and the smooching and the whatnot and um Heloise just says like do all lovers feel they're inventing something which I just think is like Well, then she says, I know the gestures. I imagined it all waiting for you. Like, there's something really innocent and sweet about that. Like, you know, I know what goes where and what to do and all that stuff, which mm. good on her. But the idea of just, like, thinking your love is so amazing that, like, no, absolutely no one else could possibly understand or has ever experienced it. And it's not from this place of, like, hubris it's this place of just like i can't believe this is happening this is so amazing this must be so rare um and that's such a such a young love way of thinking that it's just charming and sweet and there's this like tenderness to the way that they hold each other and care for each other um that i doubt either of them has ever received yeah oh wait no we do learn that Miriam has had sex before did we learn that she's had an abortion before, too? I don't know. I'm not blanking. We do know that she has had sex. Which yeah. then Hillary is like, oh, you've, known, you've known pleasure. <laughs> like, <laughs> was like, tell me about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think a lot of these movies um, that are on this list, if there are, like, you know, more explicit or more sexual scenes something that's really um powerful is that they're like obviously sex is a very important part of life and to Mm. leave it out of movies completely is um dumb (laughs) not every movie needs it of course but um it's so much of a part of character development part of showing a story and part of showing love and so Mm -hmm. i think all of these movies have really done a good job like highlighting the sweetness and the affection um and the tenderness and the intimacy over the um vulgar or the yeah the uh not vulgar is the wrong word but i just think like the salaciousness maybe yeah um and you don't really get a sex scene you get some boobs but i mean yeah you you get nudity (laughs) but the sex scenes are they're certainly happen and yeah are you get implied, like but you, you get know. the next morning they're naked in bed together yeah you know like it's yeah. it's it's which i think is it. i think it's i think that's right for this movie and yeah. what it's going for well i think particularly lesbian love is something that's very exploited yeah. you know in pornography and in even 
media in general. And so yeah, just there seeing... was a, I mean, there's a, I think pretty well thought of movie called uh, Blue is the Warmest Color yeah. that I've never seen, but it has like an infamous, like several minutes long sex scene yeah. between the two leaves. Yeah. And something it's like, I don't think that shouldn't be present if it, if it's important and I'm not one to mm-hmm. say if something is important or not, like I get that. But just because it 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 can be so exploited, particularly for heterosexual male pleasure, so <sighs> tasteful is the it's wrong just yeah, yeah, it's not what this movie is it's about movie. or going for. Yeah, this yeah. movie is about the story of you could argue up to four women and mm-hmm. their experiences in this time and with each other and men. And their position is very much not um, emphasized. So this movie is maybe not for the purposes of satisfying male desire. Yeah. And I love that. So, yeah, I I thought there was just the right amount of intimacy. I thought if it didn't have it, it would be a disservice. And what it had really added to the experience of mm-hmm. learning about these women and their story. Agreed. Yeah. So we also need to talk about the, I think there's something perhaps culturally romanticized about this, like doomed forbidden love mm-hmm. or, or love that the love that can't be. Mm-hmm. Right. And you get this uh, story of Eurydice and this conversation about like, why did Eurydice look back when he was going to lose his wife? It's this Greek tragedy. And there's this conversation about like, is he remembering what he had and staying in that moment and choosing love in that moment. And that's almost what they're doing mm-hmm. at, at the end of this movie of choosing to always remember each other, but ultimately to let go of that love and not be together yeah. you know, for the rest of their lives. Yeah. It's like, I don't think there's any point in their affair where they think I could do this after, like after, mm-hmm. after the painting is done, I could choose this. Yeah. I think that they know from the start and that's probably what Mm -hmm. makes it that much harder is to like have these feelings, have this affection, to have these desires and know that they can only be acted on for a finite amount of time. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like make the most of what we have in the moments that we have it. Um, And you get those haunting uh marianne has these haunting visions of heloise in a wedding dress yeah um and just like ghostly and disappearing and yeah that's it's sort of haunting her knowing that this is where things are going right what i love is that they didn't there didn't need to be like an outward struggle of like coming to grips with that, of coming to grips with that. They can't be together forever. There's like a sadness that's just like over the entire situation, but yeah. there's never a like, no, choose me. Yeah. Um, Which she me, does seem hurt. She seems yeah. hurt, of course. Yeah. And she seems sad. I mean, that's all there, but it's never, 
no one ever is under the misguided notion that they could choose each other. Yeah. Um, and they aren't there. I've been tempted to ask each other to do that. Um, mm-hmm. which is just like even more sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't think either of them would have, well, so. I think because they never knew or they knew that they never would be able to choose each other. There was never going to be a thing of like regretting the experience. Cause it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it's the whole, it's better to have loved than lost and never loved at all. Like they knew going into it, however sad it might make them that like, this is it so we might as well experience it we might as well choose love in this moment for this time Mm -hmm. knowing that hopefully we'll experience it one day with someone else but knowing that it's over with this person once this painting is over yeah um yeah yeah. and then you get this beautiful ending to the movie so uh marianne sees Heloise essentially two times. Uh, the first she sees a later portrait of Heloise where you see that Heloise has her finger in a book yeah. where uh, Marianne has painted a little portrait of herself for <laughs> Heloise. A naked portrait. Yeah. Um, so that sets up like Heloise is still thinking about her. Yeah. I mean, this is years and later. Then, like, Heloise yeah. is posing with presumably her daughter, who's like four or five. Yeah. yeah. So, like, this this has never left her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and good on that painter for catching that little detail and putting, like, the, the chapter number in there. It's a very observant painter that yeah. sees this little, this little thing that Heloise is doing. I wonder if Heloise was like, Put that number in there. No, because then the painter would go open the book and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's we got to you? Yeah. Um, and then the second time is Brian mentioned it. Um, so earlier when Heloise and Marianne, Marianne meet, uh, Marianne plays for her, was it, you said Vivaldi's Four Seasons? Yeah, so it's, it's like the summer theme from the four Summer seasons. or spring or something where it's, it's mm-hmm. just like, a cacophony of bees just buzzing. That's kind of the vibes on it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's cute because Marianne gets in and she forgets it and she can't quite, you know, do yeah, the ride. Yeah. And Heloise is like, oh, she's so charming, but also I'm mm-hmm. angry and all that. Yeah. And so you see that, you know, Marianne has gone to this um, performance of the Four Seasons and she looks over across the, um, across the auditorium or the yeah. wherever they are and sees Heloise by herself in a box, just in fully entranced by yeah. this piece. Like, obviously she knows, you know, this was my lover's favorite piece. And yeah. you just kind of zoom in on Heloise, just like smile crying. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like softly weeping, but she's like, it's, I wouldn't say it's tears of joy. I would just say it's like, deep emotion and experiencing an orchestra playing this song that is so important to perhaps the only love she's ever Mm -hmm. known um and it's one of the only like long takes in this movie that it doesn't cut and it's just the slow zoom on her as she experiences 
the song, which isn't like sappy. It's no. very like thunderous and like you said, cacophonous. Yeah, but it's her just experiencing fully this piece of music that her lover loves. It's kind of like you. It's always really fun to um, like watch someone you love's favorite movie with them. Yeah, you know, and yeah. just like experience something they love with them. And of course, Heloise can't experience this with Marianne. It doesn't, for what we know, Heloise doesn't know Marianne's there. Um, and Marianne's not going to go find her, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, I don't know, to like to to experience something that someone you care about loves yeah. um makes you love them more makes you understand them more and know them more and remember them and it's just this like they didn't choose each other but the love is still there and the memories and the joy is still there and it's almost like i don't know i don't think there's <laughs> something really interesting it doesn't feel like there's ever a huge period of like i should have gone with her i regret it it's Mm -hmm. more of that she can look back on this time and only experience the joy i mean back to the way that uh the patriarchy has dominated their lives it's like it's not even an option right to to stay together yeah so it's like they don't even need to worry about spending time being sad yeah 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 and yeah i just i just think it's beautiful the way it's shot the way it's done the way it's built up where you know you get the somewhat of a uh chekhov's gun of her playing the song and you don't know for sure that that's going to be resolved. Um, but when it comes back, you know exactly, you know, what they're doing. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a great one, moment. One of my favorite endings of movies probably ever. Um, I, I think it's excellent. Um, before we wrap up here... I wanted to talk a little bit about this uh, the servant and the home remedy abortion that she gets. Um, it's a little bit of a, a side plot, but I think it does drive home the themes and the difficulties for women at this yeah. time. So, yeah, Sophie finds out she's pregnant, and then they try to, like gather the right herbs and have her eat them <laughs> so that hey, she'll have an abortion. You get morphine for teething pain. Like, yeah. you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, so they try to gather the right herbs and... It doesn't I think, work. I think what's, what's interesting about this scene is, first, you learn she's pregnant. There's no question of who's the father, do you want to keep it? Like, it's just, she's pregnant, she needs to not be pregnant. Mm-hmm. There's no, it, it's only about Sophie and not about the man who did this to mm-hmm. Sophie. Um, and lastly, this is the, really the thing that unites the three women, yeah. but it's not about the picture and the painting. It's not about the crushes. It's about a woman is in need and the other two women step up and help her and how that's yeah. so unified. It's like a bonding thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, not that bonding should be driven by trauma, but <laughs> that they do just like, Marianne and Heloise have to set aside so much 
ego and discomfort because theirs is not there. That's not what's the most important thing right now. Um, so yeah, they gather up all these herbs and then she goes into a, it's like a bonfire of only women from the village. Like they just like, just like a ladies hang, (laughs) which I love. Um, and you know, Sophie says that the, the matriarch of that group or whatever says she's still pregnant. Um, and, and then we have to, she has to go and have the child physically removed from her womb. Um, and that Sophie and Heloise like make each other watch. Yeah. Um, and then they're kind of like, you know, they're back at the house. Sophie has survived, which let's not discount yeah. that miracle. Um, and she's obviously in a lot of pain. She's recovering. Um, that, that Heloise has the kindness to allow her servant rest. Yeah. I think is huge. Um, and, uh, you know, they're kind of like, what do we do now? Like, what is the, do we just like pretend it didn't happen? And then it's Heloise who's like, no, we're going to experience this and makes Marianne mm-hmm. paint it with Heloise acting as the position of the, um, the, the nurse. Um, and I just thought like. I don't know. I think that was such a really beautiful metaphor for, um, you know, bad things happen. And especially for women in this time, bad things happen to them and they have no role in stopping the bad things from happening or anything like that. And Heloise's instinct to just like, no, we're going to experience this. Like we're going to get through this. We're going to get over this. It was almost like taking a tiny, tiny step towards I don't know, creating a safe space to experience the emotions versus just like brushing them under the rug because there's nothing you can do about it. I don't know. I thought there was like a step towards autonomy was taken in Heloise's actions, um, which is, it's interesting, most interesting that she was the one who, who kind of made to like, no, like let's get through this together because she is the one who's kind of at, I mean, well, now that Sophie's no longer pregnant, Heloise is the one whose whose future is most thrust upon her against her will at this point. Yeah. Um. So for her to be like, no, we're gonna like, we're gonna lay claim over what's happening to us. Um, mm-hmm. was really powerful. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that <laughs> is so on that note. Let's end. <laughs> Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um. Uh, the acronym for Portrait of a Lady on Fire is POLOF, which I love. Wow. POLOF. POLOF. I don't know if that's the acronym in uh, in French. That's probably not. It's probably but, uh But I love the uh, the English acronym for this movie. It's great. They're great. Um, it is time for our 2001 A Space Odyssey fact. <laughs> so this is a fun one that I came across. So the famous match cut uh the uh the ape has discovered the use of a bone as a weapon throws the bone up in the air and there's the famous match cut where the bone becomes a spaceship and you've zoomed i've seen that. i remember that yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 tons and tons of years 
So the spaceship in question is actually supposed to be a nuclear weapon of some sort. Dun, dun, nuclear, dun. <laughs> nuclear weapon spaceship. So you the match cut goes from first weapon to essentially final weapon that humans have developed. And so I think that's uh it's a cool extra little detail about the match cut that I did not know. That's so, really interesting. Yeah. So fun. Yep. Well, speaking of 2001 Space Odyssey, directed by Stanley Kubrick, you like my little tie-in? That's good. Next week's movie is another Kubrick film um, that is the opposite of 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> so a movie called Barry Lyndon, um, also set in the 17-ish, 18-ish hundreds around mm-hmm. Europe. Um, this movie, sorry guys, not currently streaming. We had to rent it from the yeah. library. Um, but if you have a library card and it's available, mm-hmm. it is free rent. Yeah. Or you can get it on Amazon for a couple bucks. Oh. No, not too bad. Is that what we did? I mean, no, I have the Criterion Blu-ray of this Ooh. movie. Yeah. Bought it at the uh, Criterion Flash sale a couple of months ago. Well, look at you. 50% off. Oh, but. Wow. But it's probably cheaper to rent it on Amazon. Yeah, probably cheaper to rent <laughs> it on Amazon. Uh, great movie. Highly recommend sticking around for that one. And we will discuss that next week with a special guest. I was going to say, there might be a special guest, but not at the sake of anything, but there is a special guest. Anyway, we love you guys. We'll we'll see you next week for Barry Lyndon. This is What a Picture. Bye. Bye.